0: Thanks to Indeed for supporting the AppleBits XL. You can trust Indeed as a hiring partner because they want the same thing you do, finding quality candidates. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. And thanks to Magic Mind for supporting the podcast. Magic Mind is the world's first productivity drink that helps you fight off stress and keeps you dialed in, not wired. Go to magicmind.co slash Brian and use code Brian at checkout for 20% off. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, a.k.a. BTZ, doing it nice, slow and easy for everything good and bad inside the world of apple welcome everybody this is the podcast if you're here to find out about the latest apple news that happens kind of in the greater world of tech you came to the right place if you your first timer here welcome thanks for hanging out if you've been a regular goodness we are on episode 207 207 that's just crazy to say out loud we've been independent all the way through so thank you so much if you want to support this show or continue supporting it Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. It starts at $2 per month, goes up to $5, which is like a cup of coffee. We got the 10, the 25, and the $100 platinum Apple level. What does it get you? Early access to content, bonus rewards at different levels, and a completely ad free version of the show. completely ad-free. You hear no ads whatsoever. Plus, we've got kind of contests. We've got a closure rings challenge for fitness. We do a monthly Zoom call for an hour live. We just kind of give you some benefits to really build this community out, and it's really fun. So thank you for all of you who continue to support this show. And I always am going to keep on telling you Until you guys and gals feel like finally getting brave and calling in again when there's new news, applebitsshow at gmail.com. All you gotta do is record a voice memo to be a part of the show. If you have thoughts, thinkings, criticisms, questions, applebitsshow at gmail.com is where you send it and I will put you in the show. Okay, so we said 207 episodes. Where are we gonna start off this week? Well, there's some interesting stuff. But there's also some fun stuff. And I say, hey, let's start off with the fun stuff because it is Friday as of this recording and Apple, a new patent and really a concept was recently revealed by the US Patent and Trademark Office in an application from Apple called Computer and in an Input Device. And Apple is basically and has been exploring the maybe possibility of integrating a full functioning mac into a keyboard this is this is almost like a throwback to the past if you're talking about like the commodore 64 days you get a thicker keyboard connected to a display and uh it's pretty much like the thinking would be this would be a thicker magic keyboard style chassis and then you have all the components and performance of the computer under the hood and the reality is that they could easily do this with their M1 chip now, just the way that the form factor is required for it to stay cool and be cool. Heck, I mean, well, arguably they could put an A series processor, which yes, with the evolution of the chip has become like the M1, but they, they could actually do this. The patent describes the premise for this computer and an input device, which could be plugged into a separate external display with a single I.O. port designed to receive both data and power, so most likely Thunderbolt 4, you know, with HDMI and USB-C, and also wirelessly paired with a trackpad or mouse for additional input. Now, we always like to come up with new names for products, and when I saw this, I instantly knew what the name of this Mac in a keyboard should be. Are you ready for it? Are you ready? The IKEA Mac. I almost didn't say that with enough confidence that my voice almost cracked. Again, (laughs) the Ikea Mac. That sounded better. What do you think? Do you want an Ikea Mac? Now, this is kind of funky and interesting to think about. It is a patent application. It doesn't mean it's happening, but man, what if you could just take your computer with you and go anywhere with a keyboard? I mean, we're starting to think of this new hybrid workforce coming where some of your time will be at an office, some of your time will be at home. That That is the new normal. Oh God, did I say those two words together? That That is going to be part of people's work routine. So maybe the timing could be right for this. Now, again, we don't wanna to get too ahead of yourself by including the computing components in this keyboard or this Ikea Mac. I'm really trying to make that happen. Apple suggests that this could allow a user to carry a single device to provide a desktop computing experience at any location, having one or more external displays. I think this would be great for students. I think this would be great for the hybrid workforce. And I think this would be also great for like visiting, going out of town when you got to do work and just, just throw your keyboard out. Oh, I'm starting to feel this even more. The Ikea Mac. How stuff. I swear I'll stop saying that. Um, Apple has filed plenty of patents before. Even They even had one that was like a, a touchscreen panel within a keyboard, kind of similar to a touch bar that would extend to the entire keyboard layout. We haven't seen any type of touchscreen keyboard Max, although there's been plenty rumored and plenty of patents thrown around. It is fun. It doesn't mean that this is going to appear anytime soon, um, but it is also taps into Apple's ways of thinking and it could point to maybe a decision in the future that is this the new Mac kind of the new Mac Mini? Is there a Mac Mini Pro? And this could be a Mac Mini where it just fits in a keyboard? Who I don't know. I thought it was fun. I like the idea of this whole <laughs> Mac inside a keyboard or the IKEA Mac. In fact, I'm gonna make that a drinking game if I ever say that ever again. I'm not going to. All right, the news that made me eye roll this week, but sometimes you gotta talk about it, sometimes you don't. But it does come from Ross Young, who is from the Display Supply Chain Consultants, and he has been really extremely reliable in what he's called out for future Apple products over, I would say, roughly the past two years or so, and what we can expect um, when it comes to displays. A report is out that Apple is exploring a 20-inch all-screen foldable Mac. But we've heard plenty of rumors about the foldable iPhone that Apple's been conceptualizing and looking at different designs, and it's never really gotten anywhere. This report also says, according to Ross Young, that Apple has likely delayed its foldable iPhone until 2025, and instead prioritizing looking at an all-screen foldable MacBook. What what do you feel when you when you hear that? A foldable MacBook. Do you really want that? It look, I love I love everything that Galaxy has done with the fold product, but it still needs to be thinner. But then also if it's thinner, it's probably going to be foldable in the way that it was not intended to be a foldable. We've seen all types of different concepts of like different flexible displays and rollable displays. The The fact that they're saying Apple's long rumored foldable iPhone has been delayed until maybe potentially 2025. There were a lot of predictions that said, Oh, this thing could come out in 2023 or 2024 shows to me that they're really prioritizing a lot of their R and D right now in the AR VR headset because By the time 2025 comes around, we're going to be looking at the Galaxy Z Fold 7, and it's already a really, really polished product. I'm actually excited to see what they do this year, if they can even make it thinner. Uh, One of the coolest form factors that I think should be the go-to form factor for a foldable display or foldable phone should be based off of the Oppo Find N, which is more similar to like a, I believe it was like a 6.2, 6.1 inch displays. Not that like long skinny rectangle, but two 6.1 inch displays kind of slammed together and then you fold it open and it just, ooh, it feels so good. So now forget that Apple iPhone, foldable iPhone. I mean, every time I had seen a foldable iPhone story, because people don't really care about it, I'd kind of move on and push it aside. So now they're talking about how Apple's allegedly exploring the possibility of offering an all-screen foldable notebook around the 20-inch size with its suppliers. Now, I've always even said, hey, make me a bigger iPad. Make me like a 14, 15-inch iPad. And I just got it in today, but Samsung has their own Galaxy Tab 8 Ultra, which is a 14.6-inch tablet tablet on an OLED display. I can't wait to check that thing out. I'm going to take it with me on a a work trip that's coming up in a few days just to kind of experience and see what it's all about. I think I'm going to really like it because, you know, there are certain people that use crucial apps on tablets, but for the most part, I'm just surfing the web. I'm reading the news. I'm watching videos and I'm reading comics. I'm pretty, and digital magazines. I'm pretty basic when it comes to my actual tablet use. So, Display analyst Ross Young said that this foldable MacBook could form a new product category for Apple and result in a dual-use product. Look, we've seen what Microsoft has put out. We've seen with what Samsung has put out. We've seen what other companies are putting out for their foldable. I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff that is actually working. I think the Galaxy Fold series is a completely polished product and really just comes down to your ecosystem if you choose to use that product but it was one of my favorite products uh last year and it's or a couple years ago and it is phenomenal so there's nothing that i think it lacks other than depends on what each ecosystem you're in um the launch time frame for this foldable notebook and i say that in air quotes If did that sound like i said it in air quotes foldable notebook see my little fingers are wiggling is likely later than 2025 with 2026 or 2027 being floated around as possibilities that are reasonable within the time frame. Um I think also by Apple getting involved in the foldable space it just elevates the buzz around foldables in general. It's just the it's just a fact just because Apple is Apple. So I don't know how, you know, I don't know if this this doesn't really move the needle for me. It doesn't get me all that excited. Apple does have patents for like a touchscreen keyboard. You know, when you see these things like a foldable display in renders, it looks cool. The idea of it is fun, but I've got to say over time, I'm, I'm still not a fan of using a touchscreen keyboard for work. Like for the iPad, I can tack on it because I'm just surfing the web. I'm doing messages, but I've never done a complete, like I've never written a complete script that is five or six pages just tapping a screen. I don't know how I'd feel about that. I probably wouldn't like it. But I'm not gonna say I'm a dinosaur about this. I'm gonna keep an open mind. You know, when uh, Apple released their very first M1, everyone was like, oh my gosh, what is the industry going to do? Apple is so far ahead of the game. And I'm like, hey, look, the reality is in the next three to five years, Intel is going to change some of some of their um, what they're pursuing and what they're doing to make a shift to catch up. And according to a leaked roadmap by Intel, which was leaked by Adored TV, This new roadmap suggests that Intel is developing a new line of CPUs that are targeted specifically to outperform Apple's M1 Pro and M1 Max chips by late 2023 or 2024. So that would be almost two years after Apple's current chips come out. It would also mean that Apple would have two more years of development to put out something even more phenomenal but the roadmap and internal document that was leaked explicitly says that intel wants to compete with apple's 14 inch macbook pro um, with their own arrow lake series so that would be intel's 15th generation arrow lake processors ready to ship potentially sometime in 2023 or 2024 but here's the thing that maybe um, another kind of piece of the puzzle intel's roadmap hopes or says that they will utilize TSMC's three nanometer process. Apple's currently using the five nanometer process for its later chips. We expect Apple and other companies continue to adopt the you know going smaller and smaller. I, I believe even four nanometers is in Apple's roadmap for some of the chips coming um this year. But the idea is that right with these chips that become more power efficient, that's gonna be a big deal with them as well. The report's saying that Apple is planning to adopt 3-nanometer chip architecture in 2023 with the M3 chip and the A17 chip for the iPhone 15. So that would follow along the timeline of what Intel is looking to do. The reality is that Apple's M1 Max chip has already been beaten from a performance standpoint versus Intel's latest core i9 processors in, in, you know, purely off of raw speed I think it was something like a four percent based on benchmarks Intel's latest core i9 processors outperform them from a speed standpoint by four percent which is okay that that's very slight but here's the big thing what you pay for is a reduction in battery life compared to what Apple's chips do right how much wattage how much power do they consume to run those chips Tests show that a laptop with Intel's latest i9 core chip only lasted six hours for video playback. You want to compare that to what Apple has with their chip? What do you think? (laughs) Uh, Apple's latest at least 16-inch MacBook Pro gets up to 21 hours of battery life for offline playback. So you're basically saying that Apple's three and a half, gives you three and a half times longer battery life versus Intel's chip, outperforming it by four percent and then in addition to that i cannot imagine intel chips being quiet you know apple's apple's m series is ridiculous how quiet it is i think my fan on my 16 inch macbook pro with the m1 max chip has gone on twice and it's because i was rendering videos over like 12 or 13 minutes and then the fan once it's done and it's not even a loud fan for the record it's just like a and then just goes away so we're, we're expecting apple also to release new macs coming up the rumor in the report so far from bloomberg has been march 8th so that's the date that people are at least looking at i love how people are coming out so mark german's bloomberg says oh it could be march 8th and then people say march 8th confirmed i'm like you come on let's maybe it is that date but it's just not it's not confirmed confirmed so if that happens that's we're just about what a week and a half Roughly two weeks away from that. I, I don't know my dates right now. I'm not even staring at a calendar, but we're expecting to see Apple to announce at least one Mac. We talked about last week where reports claim that Apple release an M2 13-inch MacBook Pro with a touch bar to really be kind of their entry, entry-level Mac. I could see that, and also possibilities of maybe seeing a high-end Mac Mini as well, or variations of a Mac Mini. Apple recently filed to the European... Um, Eurasian Economic Commission for three new Macs that would be coming. And so, could it be the new MacBook Pro 13 inch old school design straight out of Tim Cook's playbook? Keep the older parts, put in a new processor, make it a low entry level price, and people will buy them. I mean, I would recommend that to people, quite honestly, that are just looking to get into a Mac with the latest processor at the cheapest price, and it'll still be a quality machine. So we'll see what happens in the Mac space. I think they're I'm looking forward to March eighth just because uh i I guess we'd call it kind of the start of the year or what I'd like to call the Appletizer of the year. Get get it? The Appletizer Don't leave still still pay attention to this podcast. We have lot we have lots of new new information <laughs> coming. <laughs> Woo. Apple's also diversifying their supply chain because remember back in, I think it was, was it 2019? Yes, it was, 2019. Apple acquired a majority of Intel's modem business, their patents that would allow them to create their own modem chip, which would allow them to create their own components. And this is exciting for users because if they're creating the modem chip and they're creating the processor and they know literally every single thing and what consumes what they're going to be able to create an even more optimized experience for all of our devices, specifically from the power consumption standpoint. So reports say from Digitimes that Apple is in talks with new suppliers about getting some back-end orders for its first in-house 5G modem chip for the iPhone. Now, currently, Apple's already lined up its main chip manufacturer, TSMC, which also helps them make their processors for their phones to produce the majority of its new in-house modem chips. And they are expected to appear not in this year's iPhone, but the 2023 iPhones. So right now, Apple's reportedly negotiating with ASE Technology and Silicon Precision Industries to package some of these first self-designed 5G modem chips from Apple. So those two manufacturers have also been uh, Qualcomm's partners for their own 5G modem chips um, that go in iPhones. So they'll have a little more experience with that. But, you know, Apple's Apple's taking full control of as many aspects of their phone as they can. Now, they aren't doing the camera yet. I don't, I don't think they would. But, you know, we're looking at potentially a 4 nanometer uh, technology chip for the A-Series in the 2022 lineup and then like we said potentially with the 2022 iPads and even the 2023 iPhones going to a 3 nanometer technology for their A series chip. So lots and lots of things happening just from like the nerdy component side but Apple's Apple's getting ready to just crush even more at least from their own standpoint and also those components because Apple's doing them in-house, they don't have to pay a premium or any other fees, licensing fees or whatever to put these components into their own products. So uh, I'm not saying the phones will be cheaper, uh, but maybe Apple's, Apple's own margins will be higher. All right, let's take a break. And thanks, Indeed, again, for sponsoring this podcast. If you dream it, you can do it, right? Right? If only self-fulfilling prophecies worked for hiring for your team. When you're partnering with Indeed, building the team is the right thing to do. It's that simple. And if you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites just hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Now, Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process, finding great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and then you can invite them to apply right away. Plus... You only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. The feature that I love the most that is going to save you and everyone the most time if you're looking for help is Instant Match because your time is precious. So with Instant Match, over 90% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post according to Indeed data. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit. To upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits, offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash AppleBits to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash AppleBits, terms and conditions apply, need to hire, you need Indeed. Also, thanks again to Magic Mind for supporting the podcast as well. I'm always going to be really careful before I recommend a product that you have to drink or ingest and I'm teaming up with Magic Mind because they are offering you 20% off your order when you go to magicmind.co slash Brian and use code Brian at checkout. Now I've added Magic Mind to my morning routine recently, um, including when I right before I work out before 12 p.m. And I feel like I've been so much more productive each day. And you know I'm still pumping out what at least three pieces of content a week. Two videos, a podcast, sometimes three and it's way easier for me to focus on what I'm doing. And I don't notice it that I'm procrastinating anymore. I'm honestly not going to say 100% that I know exactly how it works, but it has these 12 functional ingredients, including matcha. I'm a tea lover. So matcha is going to be like the core of the flavor. You have nootropics that make you focus and adaptogens that help you fight off stress. It's basically built for this entrepreneur or creator lifestyle that I live. And they even have a money back guarantee. Now, if you're like me, And you need that extra productivity and focus, and an easier way to get into your creative flow. I definitely recommend that you try it out. You gotta try Magic Mind because honestly, you've got nothing to lose. It's completely natural. And I take Magic Mind in the morning. So it's this little tiny bottle, it's like a shot. And it's hard to quantify really what its effects are, but it can be hard to stay focused and on task with all these things that I'm juggling and doing. But it has helped. And I've been using it for about three weeks, three to four weeks overall. And I do feel like in general that I'm more zoned in. And I think content creators, programmers, people who work for themselves, and especially with many of us working from home and you got all of those distractions around us, it's for someone that really needs performance and entrepreneurs like the, you know, that are hustling. And again, how the workforce has changed at home, I think it's something that you could all be able to take advantage of. So with their money back guarantee, Any first purchase will be refunded. No questions asked if it doesn't meet your expectations. So check it out. Go to magicmine.co slash Brian and use code Brian at checkout for 20% off. All right, let's get back to these stories and let's give you a little bit of flavor. You know, everyone's still curious about Apple's AR VR headset. Still targeted for the end of this year, but reports point it to 2023. Well, new reports from Korea's IT News claim that Apple's headset remains likely to adopt micro OLED displays. And the reason why this comes up in the story is because they're also talking about how, okay, yes, it'll most likely use Apple's M1 processor. It'll be worked um, built in cooperation with TSMC, which is their main you know production manufacturer. And the other thing about here is okay, why, what's the difference with OLED versus micro OLEDs? Well, micro OLEDs don't require these color filters, so they're smaller, they're thinner, they're more efficient, and you're getting, I guess, a more pure image because you don't have these color filters there. So, okay, basically, it's gonna look really good. But the reason why this comes up is because they're also talking about competition from Samsung, who's also looking to unveil their own headset. And instead of doing uh, physical displays, they believe that they're going to be using hologram technology instead for their own AR device. So this would be, right, a hologram is, think of it as a projection of an image that looks like it really exists, kind of like a super advanced Star Wars hologram communication, like the Emperor, but really good. And how we saw it really good in the prequels, even though it wasn't as good in the later trilogies, but forget it. That's just, that's because they're made later, but um, yeah, they're not looking to put actual physical displays, but take advantage of holographic technology. And that's why Apple's headset was mentioned to use micro OLEDs as the display. And quite honestly, we've been hearing OLED OLED for a while, but we haven't heard micro OLEDs for the most part. So it's kind of like the neck, another evolution of the OLED display. The other part of this is that when we're talking about the headsets, a recent report coming from Facebook is face right now, right? We have the I'll call it the Oculus Quest, but it is now branded as the Meta Quest 2 headset and it is based off of an Android OS and Facebook has something like around 300 plus engineers allocated to building their own OS non not based off of Android but their own internal Facebook OS for their headset. And they recently are like completely scrapped that idea. They came out and said, oh, we are allocating those resources to other areas of our products and our departments. And it reminds me of, okay, everyone's been talking about Apple's operating system, uh, What is what we believe will be called ROS, which stands for Reality OS, and how complicated that can be. And just, you know, Basically, whatever Apple is trying to cater this first generation headset, which appears to be at least the first gen, some sort of a mixed reality headset between virtual reality and maybe some AR functionality, whereas the second headset they reportedly will be releasing is going to be specifically for augmented reality down the road. You know, Facebook tried and they couldn't. So I am really... I'm really curious to see what Apple's ROS looks like. I think it's going to look elegant. I think it's going to feel like iOS, but in a visual format. And we'll wait and see whether that happens in 2022 or 2023. Apple stores and Apple authorized service providers are also going to soon be able to repair Face ID on the iPhone XS without having to replace the whole entire device. You know, when Apple also, there was the reports earlier of Apple eventually making uh, parts making parts available to consumers. And yes, it's only going to be a small group of people to be able to do some, some of their own installs. One of the issues was similar to this, where if you had a Touch ID issue or you had to repair Face ID, it, it was tied specifically to the phone and you couldn't just do it separately. So... Apple said that authorized technicians will soon have access to a new TrueDepth camera service part that contains all the Face ID and front camera modules, allowing for same unit repairs. And obviously that will help remove and reduce the number of whole unit repairs that have been completed. And that's part of the company's commitment to also reduce the carbon footprint. Because yeah, if you're going to just like swap out a phone instead of repairing the Face ID, that's not very eco-friendly. So um, they're going to be able to use this new Apple service toolkit diagnostic tool to determine when you can perform a same unit face id repair um it it does not say when it'll be available yet from what i can see but this will work on um the iphone 10s and newer for phones iphone 10s and later and hopefully makes it a lot faster for actually i don't know i think the turnaround time and repair would take longer if you someone had to actually repair it versus them just handing you over a new phone Also, if you've been waiting patiently for a 14-inch or 16-inch MacBook Pro, the demand is finally caught up four months after the launch. So wait times have really improved over the last month. And currently, right, they were facing at least several weeks before getting either a 14-inch or 16-inch. But now that Apple's caught up with demand, you're basically gonna be able to get a 14-inch or 16-inch MacBook Pro in two weeks or less instead of Three to four weeks or longer, which was a long time. Just a few weeks ago, even just the base models of the 14 and 16 inch were seeing wait times of six to eight weeks. Who so the supply has improved. Part of it is making them, part of it is the supply chain. I mean, isn't it crazy? All the supply chain issues of how much we take for granted. Not not to mention all the world issues happening over in Ukraine. And between Ukraine and Russia, I mean, we take so much for granted. I really hope even if you're having a bad day, um, you can realize how fortunate and lucky a lot of us are. You know, I'm not going to hang on that long, but it's good to like realize, dude, we're talking about tech. We're all listening to this, hanging out because we love tech. And we get lost in this space without really worrying about anything. And damn, we're lucky that we have that. Apple News is also extending their local coverage to two new cities in Canada. I don't, I'm going to tell you right now, I, a while back, I think my buddy Gil was on the show and we, you know, he talked about how he used Apple News Plus and I'm like, I don't know if I want to pay $10 for that. And I started using it and now I'm kind of like used to using Apple News a lot. And so I think I've been paying for Apple News probably the past, geez, four or five months and It's pushing me more towards getting the bundle with Apple Fitness Plus and um, Apple Music Plus and blah, 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 all those benefits and things like that. But um, I really do enjoy the Apple News Plus layout, and I use it a lot. And when I stopped Apple News Plus for a couple months, it was kind of annoying for me to not get access to all the articles that I'm used to. But the local news coverage is actually really cool if you're in some of the cities that it covers. So right now, at least, or it launched in 2020 with the Bay Area Charlotte, Houston, Los Angeles, where I live, Miami, New York, Sacramento, San Antonio, San Diego, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. So, Apple's new curated local news experience is available in Canada, starting with Toronto and Montreal. And it includes outlets like CTV News, Toronto Star, La Presse, Narcity, and others. So, I think that's really cool. I I do love the local news thing. Like, we're so busy. I need to like be able to just find news really quick and see it and, oh my God, it sounds like an ad, but Apple News Plus does it for me. (laughs) Damn. We always talk about content being king, right? Apple News Plus, content really important. Apple is now a front runner for a $2 billion deal for NFL Sunday ticket rights. You know, getting different types of content matters to drive audiences to you have you guys seen the is it the new show severance on uh apple tv i've heard it's a banger so i've got to see it also um shoot what is the not don't look up oh not don't look it's it's a new kind of crime thriller comedy with tiffany haddish i'll remember the name later like the night after party or the after night oh shoot i'm gonna i don't want to butcher it something like a late night party or something like that i watched the first episode and i I didn't get through it because maybe I was just too tired, but I heard that's really funny too. Well, Apple is once again in talks with the NFL about acquiring the streaming rights for Sunday ticket games. Now, if you're familiar with this, the NFL Sunday ticket typically has been run and owned by DirecTV. They currently have the rights. So this gives you out-of-market NFL games to watch. It's like if you have an NBA league pass, which I do, that's what the NFL Sunday ticket is. Um, it is not expected to renew its agreement with the NFL, and Directv pays around 1.5 billion dollars per year. Disney was said to be in the running, but Disney Disney's bid is a lot lower than others, so it's kind of like, eh, Disney, you're on the out. It is. It's so weird for me to see Disney. I mean, I know they have ESPN Plus, but you know, Disney getting something like the NFL package is odd. Just kind of like how. Out of nowhere, there's this Korean drama on Disney Plus called Snowdrop, and I love my K dramas, but it's kind of like random. You know, they have so many of their great properties. All you're like, what? A Korean drama? Uh, okay, I guess I'll try it. So, anyways, Apple TV bidding two billion dollars. It's them and Amazon right now who could who are the front runners to acquire the rights. A Directv looks like they might be shifting to a commercial license that would allow them to sell Sunday ticket to restaurants, bars, and other venues. But Apple wants in. Apple was also reportedly in negotiations back in a uh, two 2016 for Thursday night football, but that didn't happen. I believe is, is it Amazon that has that? Yeah. Amazon got that deal. So it would be a big, big move. And in, in Apple's streaming growth, if it jumped in life sports and the reality is that Apple be a big player if they really wanted to because they're sitting on so much cash that if they wanted to kind of pump up their service, they really could. Not every company can do that. So, you know, it was reported last month that Apple's also in serious talks to broadcast Major League Baseball. Right now, you know, if there's an agreement to the end of the lockout, maybe that happens. But could Apple be getting NFL and Major League Baseball within a year on their service? That's kind of crazy to think. But you know, all these things kind of, why why are people even more comfortable and more willing to do this? Well, again, Apple scored the most relevant consumer brand for the seventh consecutive year. This was a survey according to Profit. They do a yearly study like this. They surveyed the views of 13,500 US consumers on 293 brands across 27 categories. And even after two years in pandemic mode, which actually enabled consumers to really be isolated, but still be connected through tech, the biggest brands that were tech-fueled really rose to the top. So here are the 10 most relevant brands of 2022, according to Profit, according to the survey of 13,500 U.S. consumers. Number one... Apple. Number two, Peloton. But they've got their own issues now. Number three, Spotify. Number four, Bose. That kind of came out of nowhere. Number five, Android. Number six, Instant Pot. Number seven, PlayStation. Number eight, Fitbit. Number nine, TED, as in TED Talks, I believe. And number 10, the USAA. Wow. So here's what Profit had to say with Apple coming up um, being the most... Relevant consumer brand for the seventh year in a row. They call Apple the Beatles of all brands. Apple tops our charts again. It continually proves that it is far more than just a phone, a watch, or earbuds. With Tad Lasso like charm, it smoothly delivers millions of songs, games, and workouts to draw us into its always inspiring ecosystem. You put it like that, you're like, uh, Sometimes we're so in like all around this that you're like, dang, for the general consumer, we know this, but sometimes a good reminder. Apple is a freaking beast. But it is interesting to see Peloton and Spotify at number 2 and number 3 for the most consumer relevant brands. Uh I'm surprised by that, but Apple still number 1. We are number 1. We are number 1. All right everybody, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for hanging out for the Apple Bits XL. We also got to give a big thanks To our Platinum Apples at the $100 contribution level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Luce, and Atari Koenigsegg, thank you for your continued amazing support. And thank you, all of you. Continue to support my content and continue to support the show and allow me to keep on doing this. It is all because of you. So that's gonna do it for this week. We are getting closer to Apple's potential March 8th event. And I just feel, I just feel it. things are cooking. So right now on my channel, I've been doing some, kind of non-Apple stuff because you can only like talk about the same rumors so many times and i just want to have fun and you know diversify a little bit but guess what the apple gravy train is a coming back real fast all right everybody take care and be safe we'll talk to you soon have a great week until the next time same bad time same bad channel it's the apple bits xl baby talk to you soon peace